Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller, and I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and a trainer at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Wendy Sterling. Wendy is a top divorce recovery coach and healer, a life transition specialist, and she's founder of the Divorce Rehab. She helps newly divorced women who are having trouble moving forward and tired of feeling stuck, pain, fear, resentment, anger, and guilt to find joy, self-worth, and freedom. Wendy has been featured on NBC, The List, Thrive, Global Medium, Hello Divorce, and has been a guest on the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, Moms Moving On, and the Divorce and Beyond podcast, to name a few. That's quite a list. Wendy is also a speaker, the host of the Divorced Women's Guide podcast, and an author, an advanced they're a healer and a mom to her two amazing boys. Welcome, Wendy Sterling, to Divorce Dialogues. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So, you know, divorce coaching is something that's, I don't know, it's sort of become a big topic of conversation lately. And can you explain why someone would seek the help of a divorce coach rather than a therapist or just trying to talk to their friends about it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the way that that I'd like to answer that question is really just to explain the difference between a therapist and a coach. I actually, when I first embarked on my own journey, I didn't even know what a divorce coach was. And I had been in therapy. And while my therapist was helping me with the trauma of my divorce, but also some of the wounds that I had brought into my marriage, what I realized was missing was really thinking about my vision for where I wanted to go, let alone if I wanted to even stay married. And so what I eventually learned and, and, you know, the universe hands us signs when we least expect it was understanding what a life coach actually does and what life coaches do, or at least I can say what I do based on my training is I have learned that coaching is about focusing on where it is that you want to go based on where it is that you are today. So it's not that I don't care about what happened previously What my focus is with my clients is really where is it that you are now? How satisfied are you with where it is that you are? And let's think about where is it that you want to go? When I get on the phone with prospective clients and also even when I'm working with clients, so many times I'll ask them, where do you want to be in six months? And nobody has a clue. They can't even think outside of, you know, what had happened in the past or even what it is that they're going through today, and then they start stressing about the future. And what I have learned as a divorce coach and how I work with my clients is really to sort of help them to quiet all the noise surrounding their divorce and to help them just get really crystal clear on what it is that they want, irregardless, because they do have the power to 
create a new life. And while I know that it can be very scary to do so, especially for those of us, you know, mid to later in life, you know, all of a sudden having a blank slate, it's really a blessing and a beautiful thing. I also believe that there is a power in having both a therapist and a coach. I actually had both because they both in my world, they were helping me navigate my process very differently. So while my therapist was helping me to really sort of break some childhood problems that I had had growing up, what my coach was helping me do is once those were becoming aware, it was working on, okay, now what do we do? How do we shift that? So I actually believe both are very powerful. I don't think it's an either or. I really believe it's a both and. I think. That's really interesting information. Somebody wants to describe the difference between a coach and a therapist to me is that a, that a therapist will help you unpack your suitcase, but a coach will help you carry it across the street. <laughs> and what you're saying really I love that. Kind of, right, aligns with that. But I can, you know, listening to you and the way that you're talking about working with a therapist and a coach while you're going through a big life change, you also have a lawyer. And you're right. trying to do all kinds of things. It seems like, well, getting divorced is a full-time job. Is that your experience and the experience of your clients? Well, to be honest, it, it shouldn't feel that way because it really, it, it's something that, you know, not to make divorce sound impersonal, but I mean, it really is a business transaction at the end of the day. But the problem is, is there's so many emotions that come with that. I don't believe it's a full-time job if you have the right team in place. You know, it's like I hear so many times people go to the gym and they get intimidated. They don't know how to use a machine and they don't know what weights to be using or the right technique in the floor. So would you go to a gym without hiring a trainer first, right? So I'm of the belief that you want to have people in your corner who have been down this path because the last thing you want is for your healing and your recovery to take a long period of time. And in my experience and with the clients that I tend to attract, It's the women who are really seeking out that, you know, proven, you're going to get me through this. You know the path that I need to take. Let's cut down the time because I'm tired of feeling this way. I just don't want to do this anymore. And really the quickest way to get through your divorce is by ensuring that you have the right team. And I do believe that it takes an emotional team. It takes a legal team. It takes a financial team. It just does. And in the long run, it is worth every dime because you're investing in your future's health. It's an investment. It's not a cost. And I say that from the perspective as well as someone who realized that You know, I was coming out of my divorce with debt that I didn't even know existed. And so I'm on the other side now and I got through a lot faster because I I saw the value in looking to people who could get me through faster so that I could get on with my life and start creating exactly what it was that I wanted, which at the end of the day for me was all around abundance, right? Abundance of love, abundance of new friends, abundance of income, of course. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was really all based on the vision that I wanted to create for myself. Yeah, you know, Wendy, you said something just a couple of minutes ago about many of the people who come to work with you not really being able to answer the question, what do you want? Why do you think that is that people have such a, when they're getting divorced, that they have such a hard time envisioning a future that feels right? So the reason why mostly is because when we enter into a marriage, we typically envision a future that 
is seen through the eyes of ourselves. I know that I was guilty of that, and a lot of the women that I work with, same thing. We're coming out of relationships where we've been with someone who has narcissistic characteristics or who is a narcissist. We've also become people pleasers. And so when we get into that habit and decades worth of that habit, what ends up happening is that when all of a sudden you know that you're going to, you know, be divorced and, and become a single parent or a single person, you have no idea where to start. You have no idea what you envision because you don't have that person that you've been dependent upon to show you what that's going to look like. And so what I know is the hardest part for me was really trying to figure that out so I can completely relate and empathize with my clients when they come to me and say, I really have no idea. And my favorite part of what I get to do with these women is to coach them into a vision and I take them out of the fear and I help them lean into possibility and love and what it is that they've always wanted that they have forgotten about. And it takes some digging, but it's beautiful when they finally kind of get out of that codependent mindset and really start envisioning and believing what's possible for them and that they are powerful enough to create that by themselves. I think what you're saying is that when women get married, sometimes, not always, but sometimes they start to define themselves and their lives in relation to other people, in relation to their husband, based on what he might think, in relation to their children, what they might hope for for their children or what they want to avoid in terms of their own past and all of that, but that, and and that what what they want for themselves sort of fades in darkness and, and, and not that it's gone, but it's in the shadow. And that one thing that you're able to do is to help them shine the light in there and, and start to see the outline and the shape and form of what they might want for themselves and then start to work on that. Is that right? Yes, that is exactly, exactly correct. So, you know, sometimes I think people rely on, on friends and family to kind of help them do that because I think a lot of people realize that they need help doing that because otherwise it's really, really depressing. And I'm, you know, going back to your gym example, I when I was in law school, I wanted to start using the gym and I went and I looked around and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no idea how to use all this stuff. And I got a friend who said, hey, and this is a guy who went to the gym a lot and I'm like, well, you know what? This guy can help me figure out how to use these pieces of equipment. And so I got him to do it. But, you know, it might not have been as a complete tour of the gym and use of the equipment as if I, you know, had someone help me. So what is it that a, a coach can do that family and friends can't do? Yeah, you know, it's wonderful when we have friends and family who love us as much as they do. And, you know, what what is the challenge when we rely solely on friends and family is they typically will project their own feelings onto us or try to move us out of our pain because they think that that is what's best for us. And, you know... (laughs) My parents did that. A lot of my friends did that. And, you know, what, what, what the problem is, is that when you're in the middle of a divorce and you don't even know what you're having for breakfast tomorrow, when somebody says to you, oh, you will be better off without them, or, you know, it's his loss, or just wait a year from now, he's going to look back and regret it. And you're sitting here in this moment going like, 
I can't even think about, <laughs> I can't even think about that. Like I just would like to wake up tomorrow and not cry. And so in my experience, friends and family, while they mean well, what they typically do is keep us stuck. They take us out of our pain because they are uncomfortable being there with us. And so the importance of having not just a coach, but honestly, it's about having community. It's about surrounding yourself with people who not only understand what it is that you are going through, but who hold you and have your back at the end of the day. It's also important that that community not be a place where all people do is complain all the time, right? I call that a pity party. And that is not productive either. What is productive is to just be there, listen to somebody, and instead of going, oh, you think your story is bad, well, you should listen to my story, which many times you'll experience that in, in certain you know social media communities that are out there. And that's one of the things that I know doesn't work is when you start kind of getting into that like chest pumping, you know, my story is worse than your story situation or, you know, well, let me tell you, but, you know, it, life could be a lot worse. And that just is not productive for anybody when they can't even see, you know, they can't even see out their their lenses because they're so fogged up at that point. They need people to meet them where they are instead of pulling them out and trying to take them somewhere that's not even feasible. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30. And we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you need any help with family law issues in New York State, please give us a call, 914-862-7487. And I'm talking today with Wendy Sterling about divorce coaching, especially for women. And, you know, Wendy, you're just talking about something I think that's really interesting. And the, when you started talking about the how friends and family can help and how they sometimes get in the way too, right? You said, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're trying to protect you and they're trying to get, they're also trying to get out of their own discomfort. And you, and, and then you said something like, well, they'll say, well, you you know, he's going to feel so sorry when this happens, you know, a year from now, he's going to be so sorry that he lost you or whatever, something like that, which is still focused on him. Right. And I just was yeah. really struck by that, 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 you know, that what you're saying that as a coach you can do is really help someone focus on themselves. And as a lawyer, I'm trying to help yeah. them focus on themselves too, because there's one thing we cannot control is him. <laughs> Right. The, we can't control another person, whether or not that person is a man or a woman. And and so, you know, one thing that we can work on and improve and ultimately control is ourselves. And so uh, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about this technique you have, the rehab technique, which is an acronym, R-E-H-A-B. What is it and how is it helpful to your clients? Yeah, you know, you. I have to say really quickly that the whole control thing, we spend more time worrying about the other person and try to control them versus controlling ourselves. And that's really what my rehab program, my five-step program is really what it's all about is to pull that focus back to you. So the R is about reclaiming your identity and voice because so many of us lose that in our marriage because we feel like we have been silenced or 
we have chosen to silence ourselves. And so what's really important in that reclaiming of your voice and identity is discovering what your values are and how to create new boundaries based on this relationship that you have now with this person, because it's really about transitioning out of being, you know, wife into being either co-parent or in some cases, if there's no kids, then it's really just transitioning out of that role in a relationship with this person. And what's really hard when you're reclaiming your identity and voice is we tend to have these voices in our heads that, you know, I like to call your inner critics or your negative voices that are just screaming out at you. And we think that those voices are us. And so I try to help my clients to understand how to differentiate those inner critics from what their actual inner truth is to make that finding yourself process that much faster. As they move through the R, we then move into the E, which is really all about ending your victim mindset and your pity party. And so in order to be able to do that, we have to get through the pain, right? This is the part where you lean into the fear which I call the dark, and get yourself through that and into the light, which is where love ultimately lives. And the ending of the pity party, as you had just said, it's really about focusing on many times the other person and learning based on how you found your voice and identity, how it is that you now get to bring that voice back and to stand in your self-worth, to stand in your power. And that's where the H takes place, which is the healing, right? That is where you are healing your wounds. When you get divorced, it's not just losing your partner, it's losing your best friend, it's losing your dreams, your vision, financial security, you know, retirement, whatever, the list goes on and on and on and on and on, right? So healing your wounds is really the part where you start learning how to take care of yourself, something that many of us women do not do well, especially when we are married, because We feel guilty. We should be giving time to our kids and our husband, and we never ask for what it is that we need for. So I teach my clients how it is that they get to start learning what self-care looks like and transitioning out of feeling like it's selfish and seeing how selfless it is and how it makes them actually a stronger and better version of themselves. And so by doing that, that's where the self-confidence, the self-worth, the self-esteem gets built back up inside. And it's so beautiful to see when, when I get to watch my clients move into that place. And then once we get through the healing, it's really about acceptance. And acceptance comes with accountability. So accepting that the marriage is over, accepting your role as, you know, divorce takes two people, so does marriage. And you get to own 100% of your 50%. So I help my clients to really get through that with self-compassion and mindfulness. So that they can then get to the B, which is building that beautiful new foundation of the life that they get to create for themselves. It's not, it's not about, you know, the building from the building from that clean canvas is really about now that you've learned who you are, how this experience has impacted you. Now, what do you want to do with your life? You know, I hear so many times people are like, oh, I'm so old. I'm so this. And it's just a number. You know, I started over in my mid-40s. I left corporate. I started my own business. And it's the, the best life that I've ever had. And so it's so incredibly important for women to see that there are steps. There is a correct order for this to happen. And I've done all the work. So, 
you know, the five steps are really the, the way in which these women get to accelerate their healing process. The rehab program also has a layer of spiritual and energetic work to it because healing from your divorce is really, it's sort of like a trifecta. It's mind, it's body, and it's spirit. So a lot of times women will just focus on the mind part, right, which mindset's a very, very big part of it, but there's also elements where there's a physicality, right? Your your body has physical reactions to either what is happening in your divorce or to your ex. And then the spiritual part, that spirit element is really about disconnecting. When you get married and you, you enter into a relationship with someone, there's a real exchange of energy between the two of you. And I work with my clients as a theta healer and also as a sound healer to really free that energy, to get yours back, to give them theirs, and to really sever all the cords that make the divorce process that much harder. So that's my program. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, before we give, give <laughs> listeners more information about that, I want to remind them that they're listening to Divorce Dialogues, and I'm Catherine Miller. We're here on 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, and also available wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with Wendy Sterling, and that just recently about her rehab program. So, Wendy, if people are, are more are interested in learning more about the rehab program or about the other things that you do, how can they find out more and, and get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way is to go to my website, which is wendysterling.net, W-E-N-D-Y-S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G.net. And you can sign up either for my email list and or you can book a call. The call is complimentary. It's intended to even see if this program is a fit. And if it's not, it's really about me giving you access to a lot of resources that I also have based on what it is that you need. Because so many times we don't really know if we're going through this. So I love to offer that. Your listeners can also find me on my podcast, which is The Divorced Woman's Guide, which you can find on any platform. And on social media, my handle is Divorced Rehab with Wendy, and I'd love for you guys to follow me along on my journey. That's great. You know, a lot of people struggle with their divorce story, you know, what to say to people. And I think part of that is to, because the deflecting the pity is really hard, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they just don't know what to say. And other people's sympathy is sometimes just intolerable. But that's also really true for kids, right? So what are they supposed yeah. to say? And we can think of so many movie scenes where kids sort of angrily say, well, you know, my parents divorced and no more talking about it. So what can parents right. who, who have recently separated or divorced, what kind of tools can they give their children for facing going back to school after the divorce? Yeah, you know, I've got two boys and they were seven and 10 when my now ex-husband and I separated. And what I can tell your listeners that worked really well for, for my boys was, first and foremost, we actually had a meeting with our kids' teachers because we wanted them to know what was going on there were some behavior things that were going on at school that we wanted to just make sure that, you know, again, it's about having a team. It's about making sure that you see that the teachers are there to support your children as well. 
what we talked to our boys about when we first talked about us being separated was really just that this had nothing to do with them, that we loved them, and that if people asked them questions, that all they had to say was that, you know, their mommy and daddy were just working through some things and that they love us. And, you know, thankfully, we were able to really kind of nip a lot of that, you know, what do you call it? You know, just like the chatter that goes on, you know, with people wanting to know what happened. And, you know, I think that it's unfortunate when our children are being put in that position. But to your point, it's really important that you arm them with information. Some other times, you know, there were some kids who would be persistent and we would just tell our kids that they don't want to talk about it and they get to walk away. But to use their words, obviously, you know, not, you know, bodies. But for them to really just use their words and say, I don't want to talk about it and walk away. You know, I think it also depends on the age of the kids in terms of what it is that they also get to say. But in my experience, the the fastest way to shut down a conversation is just to say, I'm not talking about it and walk away. So, yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. But what if they do want to talk about it? How can they get resources so the kids can talk about what's going on for them? Yeah, so I I am a huge proponent of putting our, you know, inviting our children to go to therapy. That was something that my ex-husband and I did because I wanted to make sure that my kids had an outlet to talk to somebody that wasn't me or their dad. And I knew the importance of that because I knew that they had a lot of emotions as it related to me, as it related to their dad. And I wanted them to be and find a safe place. So sometimes it can be a counselor at school, but I really firmly believe that it's important that our kids get therapy, especially if they've got a lot of feelings about it. I had one son that internalized and I had one son that just like, you know, was speaking out. So I think you have to do what's best for, for your children. Great. That's super advice. And when, in our last minute, what is one piece of advice you wish you'd had during your own divorce? I wish I would have asked for help a lot sooner than I did. I was stubborn and thought asking for help was a weakness when it was a strength. And I would have saved myself at least a year of healing had I done that sooner. And what do you think would have been particularly helpful about that in terms of what would saved yourself? I would have saved myself the hamster wheel that I was on where there was no accountability or tough love to tell me, you know, what was what was getting in the way and what was keeping me stuck instead of making excuses for why I wasn't doing things or blaming other people for why it wasn't working. That's perfect. Thank you so much, yeah. Wendy Sterling, for being my guest on Divorce Dialogues. Thank you so much.